Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you are listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Welcome in to episode 90 of The Bluest Tape. I am Harvey Couch, alongside Jeff Kolak. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. And Jeff, we are checking some some firsts off our list right now. We are actually alongside each other. For the very first time. For the first time. <laughs> be recording this uh, in person. Not quite face-to-face. <laughs> um, or adjacent. So, so that is the first first. The second first is that we are recording this in a moving vehicle on the way uh, up I-75 towards Cincinnati. Um, what are we? What are we? What are we going to? Tonight? We're going to go sit outside in sweltering heat and uh, watch the Tedeschi Trucks Band tonight at Riverbend Amphitheater. So I don't think I've seen a show in Cincinnati before. Oh, you're in for a treat. So this is the first. I've been to Cincinnati, and a fine city that it is, but you've seen a bunch of shows in Cincinnati over the years. Sure, yeah. This is one of my local uh, local stops, and uh, we're right in the middle of a, a three-night run at uh, Riverbend Music Center that is unrivaled this summer. <laughs> Last night was uh, Jimmy Buffett. All the Parrot Heads came, and I guess Cincinnati is a big Buffett uh, haven. Huh. And so that's always a big deal at Riverbend. He does it every year. And then tomorrow night is the Hootie and the Blowfish show, which is sold out, apparently, somehow. And uh, so so we're going in the middle. We're going to go see Tedeschi Trucks tonight. So, uh, so bear with us. I'm sure you might hear a little bit of road noise. For, uh, for those of you who are, who are dedicated listeners... Uh, we are we are in Jeff's new vehicle, which we talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> yep, we are. So we're coming full circle here. Um, but um, we do have a good episode in store. Um, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of uh, a special tour uh, in widespread panic history. Was there was it called anything? Do you remember? Is there a name of the Summer '99 tour? It maybe I don't I don't really recall. Okay. Um, well, it's the Dirty Dozen tour. And, let's call it that. Yeah, and so it started uh, June 19th at Mud Island in Memphis and ran through uh, what, July 28th, I think, yep. at the Roseland. Roseland yep. uh, they took a couple weeks off in the middle, apparently, and I read this somewhere recently, that the Dozen had a European tour. And that's where that gap is. Ah, okay. Where they, they, weren't, uh, they weren't with the band. I guess that was what, like early July, right? Yeah, they uh, split after the LA show, I think, on the first, and then they came back when the band was in the mid, when they were in the Midwest. Right. Yeah. Um, so, a pretty special uh, tour, you know, his- historically wise. This was, I guess, gosh, it doesn't seem like it was so soon, but this was just, you know, less than a year after the Halloween shows mm-hmm. uh, in in October of '98, which um, I think everybody enjoyed. 
and so I think the band thought it was a good opportunity to, to get back out. Um, did you see any shows this tour? I did. I just saw a show that we've talked about a little bit before, uh, 7-16-99 in Peoria. Okay. Um, and then we were supposed to go to the canceled show, which was uh, up at Floatrite in uh, Somerset, Wisconsin, and canceled it for lack of, lack of ticket sales or whatever it was. But it was, it was a panic. Was a, it was part of a festival, I think, that they were going to play at, so it wasn't even going to be a full set. But, so was that after Peoria? Yeah, that was 7, 17. Yeah, 7, 17 was canceled. Um, and it's fitting to talk about the Peoria show as much of the country is going through this incredible heat wave right now. Um, weather was very similar 20 years ago. I think it was 97 or 98 in Peoria that day and a heat index well above 105 and 110. And it was it was thick. The air was pretty thick yeah. um, at that show. So yeah, this is... Um, Oh, yeah, in Red Rocks. I was at Red Rocks. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that. I forgot about that. I was at Red Rocks. That was... Um, uh, and you was, that the, was that the Samsonite experience? Yes, that was the Samsonite okay. shows, yes. Right. We're, we're a lot of touchstones for old ep- old episodes. And did you... You went to Memphis? Uh, I did not. Okay. I was planning to go to Memphis and did not. I only saw one show, and that was the uh, Nautica stage ah. uh, in Cleveland, okay. July 23rd. Which had a couple songs on the uh, another joyous occasion release came from that show, the Hopeless World, uh, and or I don't know, if, no, not Hopeless World, uh, Christmas Katie, yeah, and then the uh, Big Chief Jam, mm-hmm. Beehive Jam. Um, that was also the only show that I went backstage and met the band. Ah. so that's a special. Uh, that was a special night. Um, my recollection of backstage, maybe I, <laughs> I can imagine that I just made this up, but I'm pretty sure I remember Jamie Syrek being back there telling Todd that he needed to play Worrying because that was his song, you know, like, that it was Todd's song, like he needed to play Worrying more. <laughs> maybe I imagine that, but, um, but it was fun. Everybody was super friendly. We got our pictures taken. Uh, so, you know, this was the first tour that they did with, with, with the Dirty Dozen, and of course they were pretty frequent companions of the band, um, other parts of 99, and then and, and later on too. But this was definitely, did you ever get tired of the Dirty Dozen? Uh, in, a, in, in short, yes. Okay. I mean, I love the Dozen, and I love how the band sounds with the, with the horns, yeah. especially with multiple horns like that. Um, my my only thing was that it did seem like the song selection got a little stale. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't know. It just seemed like I wish that they had explored more uh, just different, basically different songs. I feel like if they had mixed up the the you know the uh, the collaborative mm-hmm. tracks, that I wouldn't that it wouldn't be tired. Sure. Do you, do you have similar? Yeah, I mean that's why I asked it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I think it was the same reason. It just it was cool, but it sort of lost the cool factor when it was the same kind of the same thing all the time. Of course, it's much better than a tour with Peanut sitting in the entire time. <laughs> um, okay, so um, down that road, I was going to save this for later, but maybe I'll just do it now because we're talking about that. Do you? Uh, I've got some statistics about songs played with the dozen. Okay. In the summer of '99, uh-huh. uh, and then well, I guess we'll also include the uh, 
what was the, the November? 27th in Hampton. Yes. So I'm going to include that in the, okay. in the stats, too. Uh, what, what song was played more than any other with the Dirty Dozen? In, Christmas Katie. In the summer of 99. Christmas Katie was number two. Ooh. That was six, six occurrences mm. with Christmas Katie. Well, pieces are Weight of the World, I would have to guess. So Weight of the World is correct. Okay. That is, uh, they played seven times. And you wonder why I got tired of it. <laughs> no. uh, pieces was uh, only three, and it was only hmm. ever with Roger Lewis. Yeah, ever with the full band. So, uh, so yeah, which was so, great. He was awesome on right. Pieces, no, dig that. So, way of the world number one, Christmas Katie number two, uh, superstition, and Fishwater tied at three, uh, and then uh, kind of surprised all over now. Was the next one after that? So okay, um, they played a total of nineteen different songs, which That's I would have thought was I would have thought that number was smaller. But yeah, nineteen's know, pretty good. Yeah. So um, so what we're gonna do this week is kind of like what we did with the Light Views Get Away uh, Volume Two was uh, we're gonna pick tracks from this tour that were not on the Another Joyous Occasion release. Uh, and so that limited our choices. You know, we took those out. So um, I guess there are a handful that are not going to be on this or on that. But um, but yeah, so we get a little bit deeper into the catalog uh, with our choices this week. Um, but uh, before we get into it, uh, have we talked to you since since number two arrived? No. Have you been on the pod? No, I haven't. Well, people were getting a little worried, I have to say. <laughs> Is uh, everything okay? Yeah, we were just... Baby's good. Everybody's good. Uh, he is like six weeks old now, which is cr- almost six weeks old, which is crazy. He's six weeks old. Um, and actually, I've been without the family for the last week. So well, why we're headed to Cincinnati is because I'm on, on my way to go get them in Ohio. Um, figured I'd catch a show on the way. But um, they he's good. He is res- responded. The only music that I've seen him really sort of viscerally respond to was a takeoff jam. Oh. That I was playing oh. before bed one night. Oh. <laughs> Bedtime music. Yeah. Because I had it, I just was playing it on a Bluetooth speaker uh-huh. and had it on the dresser in the bedroom. And it was. Um, Which show, do you know? If it was June, June '96. So yeah, it was Cincinnati a June '96 show. Tinas. Yeah, it was a June '96 show. Okay. So anyway, but I played it, and he like his eyes like really lit up. Huh. It's like whoa. So that's you know when you have a newborn, that's really all you can hope for is sort of their eyes get really big when they like see. They don't really see that well at that point, but when they experience a new sense, a new sensory right. Uh, or have a new sensory experience, your eyes start to open up. But but yeah, everything's good. It's just an adjustment. Sleep is hard to come by. You forgot about that, didn't you? I did, yeah. but it's actually if if you could, if you, if I'm sure other parents can uh, relate to this. It's one thing if it's like a routine, like if it's like a set, like sure you can get the, used to lack of sleep. Yeah, yeah. like a eleven two five right, or a twelve right, three right. six. Yeah, or like whatever, you make you make it work. But one night it'll be 10.30, 12.30, 3.30, 5.30. 
and some nights it'll be the 1125 or the 1126 or whatever and like those are the good nights and that's i'm guessing the first child was was better at that right because or is that not the case? Was he, was he a scatter? I don't know. I was an absentee father uh, for the first one. I wasn't around very much, which my wife still, you know, of course, doesn't hold against me at all. No. So this is a much more involved uh, Well, congrats. Welcome to the me. club. She actually yeah. even said to me, it's like, I'm, I'm surprised at how helpful you've been. Yeah. You so been one terrible. Of the, one of the great all-time backhanded compliments. <laughs> so, uh, so that's been good. That's been cool. good. Well, I hope it continues. Um, you should tell folks about your, I mean, we have to do our recommendations, but you yeah. should tell folks about your 48-48 experience. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what you'll, your recommendation that was gonna, was gonna Yes, be. that was going to be my recommendation. Although I will say, I had some, some second thoughts because I kind of don't want anybody to know about it. <laughs> well, just say, we'll say very limited about it. Right? Yeah, so, um, so last weekend I went to, with the whole fam, we went to the 48-48 festival, the inaugural 48-48 festival. Uh, at Snowshoe, West Virginia, and um, man, I had an absolute blast, and I think every other person that I met there was having an absolute blast, which doesn't seem that strange, but it really, it was just like, everybody was just like high fives all around, and <laughs> it was just, you know, it was everybody, I don't know, it was just a perfect setup, I'll give mad props to the, to the all good folks who put it on, it, you know, it went off flawlessly, the music was fantastic, the, um, the venue I mean, I'm guessing you've never been to Snowshoe. Uh-uh. Uh, so it is in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Um, it is, the, I think, the highest peak in West Virginia. So 4848 is the, the altitude, and it's right on the top of the mountain. And uh, it's just beautiful. I mean, the scenery is beautiful. Uh, the weather was, you know, we've been in this awful heat wave. Uh, the weather there was a high of 73, I think, the whole oh. weekend. It was like a different, you know... What do, what do you call it? Like a, there's like a whole climate. You know, yeah, it's a completely different climate <laughs> at that. And then you could take the uh, the chairlift down. There's a lake at the bottom of the slope at like three thousand feet, and it was like warm down there. So you take the chairlift down, go play in the pool in the lake. Oh man! And uh, it was warm, and I mean, then you take it back up, and it's cool. I mean, it was just whoa! It was awesome. See, I wouldn't so. have told people that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and, and, I mean, I think they're pretty limited in how big it can get, honestly. So, really, the question is, is the demand will drive pricing up. Yeah. So, hopefully, it doesn't go too fast, too high, too fast. But, um, yeah, the music was great. I mean, highlights, um, Billy Strings, obviously. You know, everybody loves Billy Strings. He played the late night show on Friday. Um, Marcus King was awesome. He sat in with Lettuce, and that was awesome. And then he later... Sat in with Green Sky Bluegrass, and um, Chris Jacobs was fantastic. I don't know if you are familiar with him. That was a recommendation a few weeks ago, hmm. a set he did with Billy Strings. Uh, but his solo stuff is fantastic. And, um, mm-hmm. It was great. There were no, there was like literally no snoozer sets. They did a great job of, uh, of mixing up the music, bluegrass and funk and, mm-hmm. and rock. So, um, yeah, great time at 4848. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to make it back uh, Every year, maybe we can get the uh, coalesce on the on the on the forty eight forty eight train. Yeah, that would be fun. Like I said, I think I have to. Uh, if the bill progresses in a certain way, that I, uh, my wife doesn't have to listen to jam bands the entire weekend. <laughs> I think we'll be in good shape. 
uh, one of the bands that I was surprised to see on the bill, but I was excited to see on the bill, and I'm glad that you saw them, was Orgone. Yeah. Which is a great funk band from L.A. Right, but they um, sound like they're from New Orleans. Yeah, and they um, they, they had just put out a, a new record, and they've had records on the coal mine label out of Loveland, Ohio, which is outside Cincinnati, which I think I've probably talked about on here before. Um, but they've got a couple really great mixtapes they call them where they do some covers but this new record is original material and it's really good um but my recommendation is another band that's been on coal mine and they had kind of their lp major label debut um, on ato but it's a uh, co-release with coal mine it's a band called the black pumas okay. out of houston which is i'm really interested to see interested to see how they do this live because it's just two guys. It's a guy that a really well-known kind of guitar player, singer, and then a producer type. And they've made this, it's just a really great 21st century soul record. Um, it's not neo-soul, it's just, it's modern production, but it has a lot of old-school touchstones on there. It's a great record. Um, and so they're touring right now. They were actually in Nashville last Sunday, and they're coming to Memphis, I think, in September. So they're out on the road. Go check them out. Check out their record, Black Pumas. Um, again, it's sort of when at the at the museum, the Stax Museum where I work, I say hyperbolic things like we celebrate an art form. We celebrate an art form that's fifty years old, or we celebrate a dead art form. I say that sometimes just to get people's reaction to it. You say hyperbolic things on this podcast. I do. I do. But the reason why I say that is because. Music like Stacks made with Otis Redding and Sam and David, the staple singers, doesn't really exist anymore. Right. But it doesn't mean soul music still doesn't exist. And so I think one of the exciting things that labels like Coal Mine and some of these other reissue labels like Numero and now again have done, they brought old stuff and made it new and made it fresh. But also there's a lot of great musicians out there beyond the late Sharon Jones and beyond the late Charles Bradley and beyond Lee Fields that have really done some great stuff. So Black Pumas falls into that category. Nice. Well, um, it's a beautiful day to drive Cincinnati, yes. even though it is a zillion degrees. Well, at least it's, it's six lanes, which is nice. I like when we get closer to Cincinnati and there's that big hill. Yeah. I right like after you get hill. after a Florence. Yeah. You come over and then you start, come down into the city and you see it all so revealed. I've, I feel like I've already said things that I've talked about in this podcast, but one of my great memories of driving to your place was the uh, was the Women's World Cup final in 2011, and they lost. And I was driving down that big hill in like a driving rainstorm. That's not fun. That's not fun. That. So that was one time. Then another time I was driving down that big hill and there was a, uh, a big chunk of tire from an 18-wheeler lying in the middle of the road and somebody's like uh, panel van guy was driving in the middle of the lane and he saw it too late and he made this really <laughs> severe, severe swerve severe. and it went vert, vert, vert and then he just tipped it over on its side <laughs> and then slid for a oh long way. And I mean, he was fine. The man was, you know, the other side of it was okay. But it was crazy to watch it happen because it looked like it all happened in slow motion. So yeah, that hill's nuts. Wow. But the rain, the one in the rainstorm was, that was full on like. Why not cool? Yeah. 
as you can tell, Harvey, I don't do 10 and 2. I drive at uh, 7. Um, so, uh, but 10 and 2 was needed that day. Um, all right. So, uh, well, let's get to the music. It was, uh, it was good reminiscing, catching up a little bit. I feel like we haven't talked in a while. But, um, yeah, so we're gonna, we've got uh, six segments. We're going to pair them up. So, essentially, three segments. We have six segments of music. So the uh, the first two are going to be uh, first. Well, first one is from uh, July twenty seventh, nineteen ninety nine, at the uh, Roseland Ballroom, and uh, from the second set. And then uh, after that, we'll go to uh, July twenty fourth, which was Mary Weather uh, Post. Post. Yeah, which is a great show uh, all around. But this is a great segment too. So uh, so we'll get to that, and we'll come back and uh, talk a little bit about it.
just heard uh, two segments from the summer 1999 tour. First up was uh, from the Roseland, July 27th, 1999, Ophelia into Swamp. And then uh, from Meriwether Post on July 24th in the second set, uh, Big Willie Mammoth into Rebirtha. So, uh, Jeff, any, any initial thoughts? The uh, Ophelia with the Dirty Dozen is, is great. Um, think about the studio version of the band song, and then think about Last Waltz version of the band song. Yep. And, like, it just fits so well um, for Panic to do it with the Dozen. And then the jam between Big Willie and Roberta is really good. Um, really stretches out. And it's one of those things where I think when I, you know, Carson, when I asked you if you got tired of the dozen, I'll put it this way. You know what I got tired of as we drive past the Ark Encounter sign? Um, is, frankly, I just got tired of Christmas, Katie. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. A lot in Weight of the World, of the but world. especially Christmas, because Katie. Because Weight of the World's pretty short. I mean, you're not yeah. really, you know, and even the, I always liked the horn part. So that's, that wasn't as offensive. The Christmas Katie, yeah. But the Christmas Katie, just because the, the, the horn part and the jam was always so rote to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of sans, I don't know, folks could argue this, and I'm sure Direction. there's a No, it's just like sans passion. Yeah. It yeah. just is sort of there. Whereas, when the for this first tour, I think the playing was a lot tighter. It was a lot, I think there was a little bit more direction. Whereas when they did that 01, that 01, run the Halloween 11-1-11-2, which I saw, and we've talked about that before. And they did those Memphis shows at the Mid-South, They too. did the Memphis Thanks shows at the Mid-South, where it just, you know, again, I love squonky jazz music, but sometimes, like, squonky Dirty Dozen became part of the, got roped in with the animosity about the 25-minute drums, the Todd Marimba thing, or the, uh, you know, whatever it might be, so... It just, a lot of it was kind of, it's so terrible to use a word like this, but kind of a waste waste of time with a set. Okay. But. That's fair. So that's why this this Wooly, this jam between Wooly and Roberta is so, is so cool to me because it's definitely a change of pace jam. It goes in a different direction and then they rope it back in and go into the next song. Yeah. I, um on your first point uh, I love I thought it was so great the Ophelia I mean I, and it, I'm kind of bummed that it took them so long to get there you know because they didn't debut it until July 21st in, uh, in Nashville and then this is the second time that's the only times they played it uh, in 99 and uh, it just fits so well I think and then uh, on the Meriwether Post stuff, I, I found it interesting that, and I think honestly, that may be my favorite segment of the whole tour. And it's probably because it's the only, um, it was the only time they played, what, uh, Mammoth with the Dozen, and one of only two times they played Roberta with, uh, with the Dozen. It was the first time. So it was almost like they were like, well, let's do something different this time. You know, it was like a, a, a conscious decision uh-huh. to to step outside the box a little bit. And I don't think it paid off uh, because that was that was some really good playing, I thought. And uh, so, uh, so anyway, and, and I think they, at least on the uh, on the Everyday Companion, they show Big Willie Mammoth as being Kevin Harris only. Okay. And into the jam, the, the whole band comes out, and then it's Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And then from there it goes into superstition. But um, 
Yeah, I really, really enjoy that that segment. And that was one of those where I guess I maybe I'm sure I saw it on a set list, but for whatever reason didn't hear it initially, like right after the tour, and it was something I heard like many months later and I was like, Oh wow, like this is really good and fresh, you know. Yeah. Uh, compared to the other stuff. So um, so anyway, I'm glad we were able to to include that in this. Uh, I mean we're we're kind of you know, you say 19, they played 19 different songs. Yeah. So, I don't want to turn this into a long discussion about why Fish doesn't have guests sit in with them. But I was going to look up if Fish had any horn players sit in with them, and I'm sure they have. Of course, yeah. No, they had the giant country horns. Oh, yeah. Jeff, Sorry. I uh, that. And then, uh, and then the girl that... Uh, oh, Jennifer uh, Hartzwick. Right. Yeah. So, but the dead... You know, we talk about, we complain sort of, you know, 19 songs and it got tired and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, the first time the Dead had sort of sustained horns for a tour was 73, Fall 73, when Wake of the Flood came out. And it was Joe Ellis and Martin Fierro. And they played on the same songs, like, every night. Right. For, like, an entire, like, the month of, month of September. Yeah. So, we're bitching about 19 songs. Right. And again, it was such a novelty and such a weird thing. And frankly, it wasn't that... Didn't, some of those shows are okay, but it doesn't. They don't really work as well as obviously. Are you talking about the dead? Or you talking the about, dead. Okay, sure. Um, but dead horn sit-ins that do work. Uh, the Brantford Marsalis stuff yeah. from the early nineties. I think that's the list. Is there what, what else? Is so there? the other one is which I again. I'm sorry, everybody. I can't remember eighty-nine previous shows, but the the Charles Lloyd sat in with the dead at a show in San Francisco in like September of I think it's I think it's I think it's nine two sixty nine. Okay. But sits in on Dark Star and it is sublime. And it just it fits so perfectly and he's a perfect sac perfect horn player to sit in with the dead too because he's pretty you know he knows where to find the spot. He knows where to find the groove. He knows where to find the spot yeah. to kinda of lay in and he can take a good break and come back. So another Memphis musician yeah. when I asked this high school. But then, like, the Almonds, of course, they had a horn sit in with them, especially after Dickie left the band, and they had them kind of in other places randomly. But the the most famous instance of horn players sitting in with the Almonds is at the Fillmore East Run in March of 71, where they had a couple of buddies of JMO's, Juicy Carter and this other guy, sit in. And basically, Juicy Carter's doing, like, free jazz during Liz Reed and Whipping Post and some of these other things and some of these other cuts that when Tom Dowd got to New York and heard the tapes from the first night, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is supposed to be the thing that you're a legendary live band. This is supposed to be your big statement and you add horns to it. Right. So when they did the Fillmore East, uh, complete Fillmore East of what they had in the vault, they didn't have the first night, but they had the 12th and the 13th, which is what the live album comes from. They put the horns back in the mix because they mixed them out. Uh -huh. And so it's fascinating to hear all of it for the first time. And it is totally different and totally unique. And it's not great. No. <laughs> so again, had King Curtis, which would have been the wise decision, if you're going to have horns. King Curtis had sat in on Stormy Monday or Trouble No More or you know, Don't Keep Me Wondering or whatever. Like, okay, that makes sense. Right. Great R&B horn player who can find a groove lay in, take a break, get out, that kind of thing um, would have been would have been cool. So I do think that the jam scene now is so horn-centric. 
in a lot of ways. Mm. There's a lot of great horn bands out there, and it seems like the sitting in part is is a little easier and not as awkward as what it maybe used to be. Right. Yeah. No. And um, the you know the uh, the Dirty Dozen you know played with the Dead. Did you know that? Yeah, March third, nineteen eighty-seven. I think it was maybe just Ico Ico. Okay. Maybe they did one other track, but it's not it's not remarkable. You yeah. Know? I mean, it was fine, but it sounded like it was fun. Yeah, like the audience tapes are better than the soundboards because you can tell if the crowd's into it. But yeah. the, you know, the, the playing is is not. Um, and but back to the forty-eight forty-eight. There was a lot of collaboration on stage there, and. And there was, you know, cross genre, right? Like you have uh, guys from from Green, you know, you have a dobro and a mandolin and an acoustic guitar coming out and jamming with a Breeze McGee, you know. And so it's cool to see that kind of uh, flexibility, you know, from these guys sort of crossing genres. And I think uh, when Chris Jacobs came out with uh, Green Sky, they did like. A Green Sky song into a Chris Jacobs song back into a Green Sky song, you know, which is kind of cool that they can jam on each other's stuff. So, uh, yeah, the art of the guest appearance. Yes. Featuring uh, fish. <laughs> uh, um, I know we've got good fish fans that listen to this. And apparently, night three of Alpine was, you know, some transcendental next level stuff so yeah. I haven't listened to it yet but I'm sure I'm sure it was fantastic um, okay so next we go uh, to July 19th was this the show that you were at? no 16th 16th okay sorry uh, July 19th which was uh, Pontiac Michigan yep sorry uh, and then uh, that that segment leads into drums and then after that we'll play Set closer from eleven twenty seven ninety nine, which is just with Roger Lewis, I believe, uh, not the full band. Um, so, but these are these are good selections as well. Anything before we get into that? No. Nope. As we approach Crittenden, Kentucky, <laughs> exit one sixty six on I seventy five. So, uh, thanks for joining us as we uh, make our journey northward. Northward, and uh, without further ado, we will go to. Uh, July 19th, 1999. We're born in New York City. Wrapped in a blanket, our time. 
Alright, first you heard Hope in a Hopeless World and the Gilded Splinters from Phoenix Plaza in Pontiac, Michigan, July 19th, 99. And then uh, the set closer from November 27th, 1999, uh, Flatfoot Floozy from the Hampton Coliseum in Hampton, Virginia. That was with uh, Roger Lewis on baritone saxophone. The, in the first set of that show, they closed out the, uh, the first set with Superstition and Coconut. And that, uh, that coconut is what appears on another joyous occasion. Uh, another point of note from the show is the very first uh, This Part of Town. November ah. 27th, 1999. That's right. Uh, and they do a Kai's Mary in that show, too. They did, indeed. That was, uh, was the third ever Kai's Mary. Um, so, did, have you ever been to the uh, to the Phoenix Plaza, Pontiac, Michigan? No, I feel. But if I recall talking to people that were went to that show, I feel like it's either it is a parking, it's either a parking lot or it's like on the roof of a parking garage or some sort of structure. It sounded Pontiac, very Pontiac, concrete in Pontiac, Michigan. In Pontiac, Michigan, but it was outside. Let's see the, the Phoenix Plaza Amphitheater. 10 Water Street, Pontiac, Michigan. It's an open-air theater with many festivals and large acts during the summer. The annual 89X Birthday Bash is one held there. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the picture is the top of a building. That's the, that's the okay. picture. There you go. So I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> Concrete in the middle of a, of a city. Um, have you ever spent any time in... Now, this actually looks pretty nice. But yeah, it probably looks like top of park lot. Yeah. But it's got a nice little uh, tent, you know, sort of uh, tented. Uh-huh. So, looks like it could be hot there. Yeah. Uh, have you ever spent any time in Pontiac, Michigan? No. I'm not. Pontiac's pretty far outside of Detroit, I recall. Okay. It's um, the home of the Silverdome. Yes. Left of the Silverdome. Is that still... I think it's still standing. I mean, I know they took, like, the roof down, and it, yeah. and it looked like a like an outdoor coliseum from, you know, Roman days. Yeah. But... Maybe they did finally demolish the whole thing. We should do an episode about old stadiums. I would love that. I don't know how we could work it into Panic. Maybe like we could play, you know, shows from the cities in those, in those <laughs> you know, like the one. Well, we are going to a uh, city with a fam- with an infamous coliseum and a stadium. Ashtray Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Riverfront, the, uh, the stadium, but then also the Coliseum where all those kids got crushed at the Who show. No, that, I think that was at the actual baseball stadium, no? Well, there was a, they had an indoor arena, too, because that happened in, like, the winter, the fall okay. or winter. Huh. Um, yeah, that was, uh, man, that, that, that arena sucked at Walmart. Um, when they, they started building the baseball stadium, um, they tore down like the outfield of the thing, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, look! You let light in. It looks like <laughs> it's a real actually, it's ballpark." Okay. Yeah. So, um, anything uh, you wanted to share about the, the music that we just listened to? The uh, the selection from the nineteenth is great. Yeah, the hopeless world's really strong, and the splinters is. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, you know I mean? it was like they got they were definitely having a good time. Yeah. It's uh, splinters is good. It's pretty stretched out. It's a little dissonant, but I think it's you know with, held in check a little bit. And the uh, that sh- that Hampton show, eleven twenty seven, is fantastic uh, all the way through. But yeah, I, love, I 
it's a high energy floozy. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, uh, Dave, Dave is having a good time. Listen to that one, and then because it's a bajillion degrees and it's in Memphis and it's in July, listen to 7 1997 mm. yesterday sitting at my desk. And a great floozy opener. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a great show, yeah. start to bottom. But both of those, but really, especially the second night. Yeah. Um, yeah, my. My buddy was texting me. We drove up from New Orleans for those shows in 97. That was the summer after my, you know, third year in college. We drove up from New Orleans, and my future wife and her friend drove down from Lexington, and we met in Memphis for those shows. Yeah. And um, we had been together for two months at that point. So who, who knew? Who Tw- knew? 22 years later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those are fun shows. They were hot. That, those were hot shows. So. Um all right, so we've got one more one more segment. Both of these are uh, encore tracks. Uh, first one from July first, nineteen ninety nine, which was when was that? Show? That was House of Blues. The, uh, yeah, West Hollywood, West California, Hollywood. Um, which was, I guess, the not last night of the first segment of the Dirty Dozen run. Um, and let's you know, let's let's not. Um, completely pass over the run that they did without the dozen. Uh, you know, they go to uh, High Sierra, and then they play uh, in Boise. And then, we played something from that Boise show, 7-6, yeah. that was really right. good. And then at Whitefish, Whitefish is great. fantastic on 7-9. We but played actually 7-6, 7 and 7-14, yeah. on, so, on the pod. Right, and so now we will have played 7-19 and 7-21. 724, so we're getting there. Maybe we'll check them all off. I was like, it's a lot of coverage for a year that historically we've been sort of, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we played all the stuff from Red Rocks. Each something from each night Red Rocks, too. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll get to uh, these encore ship songs and um, and then come back and put a, put a bow on this. Uh, and, yeah. Where are we now? Are we up uh, around... Mount Zion Road. Mount Zion Road, exit 178 on I-75 as we head towards uh, northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. Um, did you want to go by the Ark? Or? <laughs> Wait, uh, no, next trip. Okay. Next trip. No, we should probably bring the kids because we want to expose them to the dinosaurs and people living together. It's it's, it, was an, it was an amazing time for humanity. Amazing time. Uh, sorry. Okay. We'll be back.
inspiration beyond compare, the Dirty Dozen Brass Band.
very much, ladies and gentlemen. Dirty Dozen Brass Band. All right, a couple fantastic covers here from Encore Spots. Uh, first up, July 1st, 1999, uh, the Meteors classic Just Kiss My Baby. And then uh, from July 21st, 1999, in Nashville, Tennessee, or I guess Antioch, Tennessee, uh, All Over Now, which did you do some research on uh, what the, the history of, the, of that song? Well, I knew it. I just wanted to, I used the Wikipedia to double check it. Yeah. So Trust but uh, verify. Yes, of course. Um, the, uh, of course, everybody knows the Rolling Stones popularized the song really first, and then the Dead, of course, covered it for years, but uh, a guy, well-known guy by the name of Bobby Womack um, and his brother wrote the song and for their group called the Valentinos, and then, of course, Bobby went on to become a great soul singer and session guy and guitar player in his own right, uh, did, did recorded some records and great singles at American Studios in Memphis. Uh, check out his version of California Dreamin', by the way. Hmm. It's uh, awesome. Um, Arkansas State Prison, and then of course one of his bigger hits, uh, two of his bigger hits, Woman's Gotta Have It, and then the theme uh, to the movie Across 110th Street, which those of y'all that have seen Jackie Brown, that is the opening song in Jackie Brown, which is also ridiculous to believe that that movie is like 23, 4, 24 years old or whatever at this point. Um, but yeah, a great, great song, perfect for horns, just great old school kind of R&B groove to it. And then Just Kiss My Baby, a meter song, a New Orleans song that doesn't, or the original doesn't have horns on it. Right, but, but it fits well. But it fits well. Yeah. So it, um, good, good uh, songs to, to, to end this episode for sure. Yeah, and I, I did. I, I loved uh, All Over Now. Just when the first time I heard it, the band did it with the dozen. And, um, it, uh, it's fun. It's fun. There's, I mean, that's the one thing you, you know. You can complain about the variety, but they definitely they were for the most part. Chris, maybe Christmas Kitty and, and Way to the World aside. I mean, the rest of them are really good songs, right? Sure. I mean, Fishwater and Superstition and, and, and Splinters and Coconut sure. Darling. I mean, and it's, it's somewhat hypocritical to be complaining about guests after I've ragged on another famous <laughs> band about their lack of guests. Right. Um, but we're going to have an episode with a, uh, about guests uh, coming up. I think we're going to, well, it's fitting. I think we're finally going to do either the Derek Trucks or the Allman Brothers yeah. sit-in yeah. Uh, episode. Um, which, frankly, we're going. We're going to go see our friend Bob, and we could do that with our portable recording devices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like tonight, we're going to do it. <laughs> sure. Let's just skip the show. <laughs> let's skip the show, and then let's go see that crew tribute band at Bogarts. I was, yeah, we were looking. To, I was looking to see if there are any after shows, and uh, and yeah, no, just the Motley Crew tribute band at Bogarts. Unfortunately, started eight because those guys are old, done <laughs> early. Um, all right, well. Uh, before we wrap up, we're, we're driving past one of the, the, the landmarks in Kentucky on the highway. Yeah. The, uh, the Florence Yall water tower right next to the Florence Mall. Uh, if anybody's ever driven uh, on I-75. Um, also wanted to do, uh, to shout out a uh, friend of the pod, uh, Sam Holt. has got a show coming up August 10th, um, which is the anniversary of uh, Michael Hauser's passing, and that is at the uh, Terminal West in Atlanta on August 10th, and um, so he's going to be there uh, with some of his friends, and uh, same old man, that's always fun, so uh, if you 
you're in or around Atlanta and uh, you want to check out what he's got going on, definitely do that. And then I think he's playing some after shows uh, in Nashville in August after the Ryman shows. Mm. So, uh, so that might be funky. Uh, that's at the Marcy Lounge. So, um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I think it's, you know, we're going to try to uh, uh, you know, get some more shows out now that, that Jeff has turned to the fold. This is fun doing it in person. I feel like it's a lot easier. It is a lot easier. It is a lot easier. <laughs> so you know, maybe we should start meeting at Bowling Green once a month and knocking out <laughs> four or five at a time at the, the Hampton Inn. We'll just jump around between like the, the Waffle Houses on either side of the interstate and I'm sure we have a big following following at Western Kentucky University. We could probably do something That's there. Possible, yeah. Live a live pod. Live but, pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well thanks for everybody for listening. Um, appreciate the support and the feedback. And um, thanks Jeff for driving. Sure. Multitasking here. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care. Oh, sorry.